0: Coming up on Gesundheit with Jacobus this weekend, a topic I've never really discussed on the show. It's about Ayurveda, the oldest known healing modality dating back about 5,000 years and rooted in India. Ayurveda means science of life. My guest is Elaine Dahl, a clinical Ayurvedic specialist who has been in this field for 14 years. Elaine's website is blissfulbolsman.com. It's Gesundheit with Jacobus. to Gesundheit with Jacobus, Health Talk Radio, integrating allopathic and all-natural medicine one show at a time. Here is your host, Jacobus Hollowine. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the program. Uh, what a wonderful day it is outside. Good morning. I appreciate you tuning in today. Hopefully you have a chance to stay with us all the way till 11 o'clock because my guest Elaine Dahl has a lot to say. About uh, this amazing topic, Ayurveda, five thousand year old science and and lifestyle and modality and healing methods, healing modality, I should say, that's been around. And uh, what a knowledge, what a knowledge we have learned from Ayurveda over the years. And actually, you're probably going to find out that other modalities have picked from the Ayurvedic sciences uh, to to become better in what they're doing. So this is not something that is just isolated by itself. Literally, over time, um, other styles, have, they picked from each other to make themselves a little bit better. I would say even Western medicine may have taken some of it because when you work with the science that's been around for 5,000 years, they have had the trials and the ups and downs, and here all of a sudden they are, they are on their own. They're not Well, you think they're on their own, but uh, it doesn't really work that way. It, uh, you literally, um, when you're good and when you're solid and when everything is working the way you want and you're learning by trial and error, um, other modalities are going to look at you and say, Hey, we can take some of this. And then they're using it. So I'm looking forward to this program. As you heard in the, uh, in the introduction, in the promo, I've never really talked in all these almost 18 years, I've never really talked about Ayurveda. Definitely not in the sense that we're going to do today. So welcome to the program. My name is Jacobus Hollowayne. want to let you know that as we talk about health, healing and healthy lifestyles on this program, Gesundheit with Jacobus, it's always uh, we are here to educate, inform and entertain. The purpose is not to diagnose, treat or cure. We always recommend you see a professional of your choice or contact the guest after the program. And simply set up an appointment and uh, learn more about what is right for you. Or you go to a physician or a specialist of your choice and become a better educated person. We are living in the modern times here with all the internet, etc. Great magazines, great uh, books have been written about all different health topics. The internet has tons of information. There are videos available on YouTube and other channels. So if you are interested in improving the quality of your life, either for yourself or somebody close to you, look up the information. It is readily available. But it is always wonderful to talk face-to-face with somebody, and that is what I recommend when people are listening, as you are listening to the program, simply to contact the guests afterwards. So let me tell you a little bit about my guest, uh, Elaine Dahl. She is a founder and director of Blissful Ayurveda in Bozeman, Montana. She began her study of Ayurveda in 2004 at the California College of Ayurveda. Upon graduation, she traveled to India to dive deeper into Ayurveda's ancient wisdom. There, she received additional training and hands-on experience through working at traditional Ayurveda clinics located in Mysore and Rishikesh. Since 2008, she has had her own healing practice in Bozeman. Elaine believes in the power of Ayurveda, to tap into the medicine chest within each of us, allowing optimum health and peace of mind to be restored, cultivated, or maintained in everyone. She uses all manner of techniques to help achieve this goal in her patients, including one-on-one consultations, focusing on diet and lifestyle, Ayurvedic bodywork, retreats and workshops, yoga, aromatherapy, color therapy, herbal support, cleanses, and also integrative reflexology. Elaine Dahl is also a specialist in the Ayurvedic cleansing and rejuvenation techniques known as Panchakarma, widely celebrated for their profound healing qualities. She weaves her multitude of skills into a powerful program that guides individuals to root out disease and ultimately age more gracefully. And since we don't get much, we don't have much choice in the fact that we age, we might as well do it well. Blissful Ayurveda is located in Bozeman on North Montana Avenue. The website is blissfulbozeman.com, blissfulbozeman.com, and her phone number to get a hold of her is five seven nine three nine one zero five seven nine thirty nine ten. Elaine. Welcome to the program.
1: Thanks for having me, Jacobus. This is really exciting. <laughs> it
0: is exciting, isn't it? <laughs> yes. Yeah. You all listen to millions around the world. Millions. Yeah, who knows? Wow. I, I tell you, I, I say it again, never had a show on Ayurveda, and we. I ran into somebody who said, you know, I, I don't even know why the topic of Ayurveda came up, and I said, you know, that's what I would like to do. And she said, call Elaine. I said, Elaine who? <laughs> and so she gave me your name and I looked you up, called you, and we started, we set up the show. And I am really thrilled. And I, we just were talking before the program. You've been here for two, 10 years and practicing, and things are, this is what you do full time.
1: Yes. This is really my, when I first started, I had a couple other bit jobs on the side, but it has grown every year, kind of like you were talking about with your present yeah. business, business. Yeah. And, um, and I love it. I love helping people and seeing the different people who show up in the practice regularly and, and how Ayurveda, it's not rocket science, uh-huh. but it is so profound and how deeply it can help people. And I don't believe that it's, it's just a quick fix. Mm. It's much deeper. And I, and I really enjoy that process of working with
0: folks. Yeah. When, what was what triggered your interest in, in Ayurveda? What was it that you decided to go to California to the school of Ayurveda? What, what happened in your life?
1: So I used to be an outdoor educator. I worked for the National Outdoor Leadership School. And mm-hmm. I would watch people change mm-hmm. as they came into the wilderness. Really? And I was fascinated by that. Oh. And, I mean, everything in their life changed, of course. Yeah. But one of the things that changed was that they... Ate regularly, and they would when they came out of the field back into town. They or and me too. Yeah. yeah, sure. We would all eat crazy food or things that you couldn't get out in the wilderness and or that we hadn't brought with us. And I was fascinated by how physiologically people looked different. They acted different. So something planted a seed oh. from that. And so literally
0: by being out there uh, out. Outdoors, so to say, you yeah. eat differently and it it changes the way you think and the way you feel and the way you look.
1: Yeah. Huh. And Ayurveda talks about one of our biggest problems is that we've forgotten to spend time in nature. Yeah. So many people end up inside in jobs, never going out and just being mm. outside. And so I found that with with the Knowles work, I was really starting to search out Something that was more consistent mm-hmm. in in a town because mm-hmm. I wanted to be able to call my friends and see them yes. that day instead of in six months. Yes. So um, I started seeking out what might be something intriguing, and I was currently already doing yoga. Yeah. And I love plants, and so I can't even remember. I think a friend of mine asked me to move our come and visit her up in Nelson, British Mm -hmm. Columbia. Oh, wow. Okay. And I said, where is that? And what's even up there? And I started looking on the internet, and I found an Ayurvedic clinic up there. And my friend says, it's not even there. I don't even know what you saw. But that was my first time actually seeing the word Ayurveda. Ah, I was going to ask you. Yeah. Yeah. And from there, I went down a rabbit hole, and Mm. I felt like this could be something that really intrigues me for the long haul because it was so multifaceted. Mm. It wasn't just supplements or um, just anatomy. Yoga, right. Yeah, it was all of them. It was this whole umbrella because mm. Ayurveda means the science or the knowledge of life. Mm. And it's this huge umbrella of life <laughs> and all these approaches that can yeah. help people find
0: greater balance. Huh? So it is not that you have to Dress a certain way, or that you have to grow your hair in dreadlocks, or anything like that. This is literally, this is applicable to to today. Yes. This is applica- This was applicable a thousand years ago. This was applicable a couple centuries ago. This can be wh- whenever you will live, wherever, whenever, and whatever time you live. This is applicable to you today. Yes, but the word Ayurveda, science of life, knowledge of life sounds uh, obviously from india so some people may say oh i'm going to be part of some kind of a cult or uh, some okay. kind of a religion right uh but that's not what it is
1: no i mean originally it is written in sanskrit which yes. is
0: the long
1: past uh language mm. of india and so it looks like another language when you start reading books sure. about it it's it's definitely very different um but it's super ap- applicable to everybody. Not that everybody needs Ayurveda, but everybody's probably already practicing some form of That's Ayurveda so currently.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. They just don't know that word. So what I said earlier, that different modalities have, st- I don't want to say picked, but stolen uh they have taken from Ayurveda and probably implemented in their own modalities. Exactly.
1: I see. Exactly. And when I went to school, so I decided to go to Ayurvedic school in California. Yeah. And I packed up all my stuff, and I didn't even really know how to say the word Mm -hmm. Ayurveda. Mm -hmm. And I showed up in California in um, the California College of Ayurveda, and my whole world exploded. I just felt like I was learning – what came from my soul and so it didn't feel like it was so far from reality for me it felt like oh it's just tapping back in to something ancient and that's why from the school i was in school for two years there and then i went to india and I, i lived in india for about seven months
0: is that right yeah wow. And
1: I did a bunch of traveling. I worked for Knowles over there as well. What is Knowles the national outdoor leadership school oh, okay national. the the job okay. that I did before mm-hmm. Ayurveda, mm-hmm. blissful mm-hmm. Ayurveda yeah, yeah, yeah. um and I was in a couple different clinics, and I got to see how it's practiced really differently throughout India, which mm-hmm. surprised me. I kind of thought everybody on the street would be sitting very consciously eating calmly. And and they're like us. They're like everybody on the planet. It's crazy running around just chaos. And when you go into some of the ashrams or some of the clinics over there, Mm. you would see them practicing all these different layers of Ayurveda. And so that actually opened my eyes way more because two years of information in a classroom was really different than going to the country of origin and seeing how people don't live it or do live it mm-hmm. in their w- little ways because they're
0: human just like the rest of us <laughs> you know it's uh yesterday there was in the Boston chronicle on fridays they always have a health page and there was one about um there was an article about the fact that many people don't say everything they need to say to their doctor when they go to a doctor's visit they kind of don't give all the information you know they're not telling them that they have supplement that they're taking supplements or they don't tell them what they really think the, the possible cause of the injury or the disease is whatever and so the funny thing is they're, they're mentioning three doctor names one of them is sanjay gupta
2: mm.
0: who's from india yeah. medical doctor and then they're mentioning two other doctors and they're both from india okay. and and they're I mean, they both have names like from India. Now, maybe they're from Pakistan, but okay. you know, I don't know for sure. But to me, when I look at those, and then I go, "Here are these doctors, medical doctors in America, who, in this case, poo-poo dietary supplements," and uh, and 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 I go, "Why are these people not practicing Ayurvedic medicine in this country?" Because that's probably how they grew up with that whole system, unless you have a similar situation like you have in Europe. People always say, "Or oh, everybody in Europe eats organic, or everybody in Europe is so healthy, or everybody is into homeopathy or natural health. And I go like, no, they're no, not. Right. You know, I, when I go visit, they don't they, they have no knowledge about dietary supplements or about certain things. They just live the life. And so maybe in India, the way the modern times have integrated with India, people are not really living it anymore, and people want to get out of there and become successful. And of many smart people in India, that they become medical doctors, and it is so sad that I don't see them integrating that. I mean, Deepak Chopra, obviously he came as a medical doctor, but he is still he's still talking about Ayurveda and and body mind and spirit, etc. Is that something that you have wondered as well, that so many wonderful, talented people come from India and not bring that great culture with them?
1: You know, actually, in India, there's a lot of medical doctors because of England's influence okay. in India. So they, England came and took over, Yes, and they brought um, their medical prowess. And so they kind of squashed Ayurveda throughout the entire country. Mm-hmm. It was much more practiced by the lay people outside mm. of clinics or um, hospitals. And it's really been a resurgence in the last 20 years okay. as the Westerners have become intrigued and ah. are wanting to learn. And so there's been much more of that um, growing back again, I guess, in India. Mm-hmm. Um where you'll see it everywhere there. And I think you probably did before, but now you can actually go in and to, um, a pharmacy that's just a really Ayurvedic pharmacy, or you can go into a pharmacy for Western prescriptions. And it's mm-hmm. really fascinating. I think they live symbiotically like next to each other, but there's definitely, um, a lot of, medical doctors that are there that say, oh, well, we would never practice that even uh, though they did grow up with it. Yeah. And there's also Ayurvedic doctors or Vaidyas mm-hmm. that um, don't want to do any of the Western medical mm-hmm. approaches or, mm-hmm. you know, only if it's a broken bone
0: or something. Sure. But they'll help knit that back together better yeah, or yeah. something. Yeah, Is acupuncture part of it as well? I mean, it's Chinese, but is... Uh, um... Uh, in the practice that doctors use is, has uh, acupuncture become part of that as well? Or is that totally a different country, different style?
1: It's a different country, different style, okay. but there is a similar um, practice in Ayurveda that works with um, pressure points.
0: Okay. cr hmm Okay. Because yeah. I thought that cr was Japanese, but well, I don't know, but so there are still pressure points. There
1: are pressure. I mean, it's similar. Yes. Like there's a lot of, um
0: yeah who stole from Eastern who, you know? yeah
1: exactly yeah. where did it really begin yes. Ayurveda will say this is we started and Chinese will say we started it and who knows really but there's there are eight different um kinds not kinds but practices of Ayurveda oh God, and wow. there's so there's actually um, surgeries that they yes. do and these pressure points there's just there, there's much more than um my clinical practice that has consultations and body work, but you could go to a clinic in India. I I think there's a few in the United States, actually. The Raj out of Iowa is okay. the largest one um, that you can get all kinds of different approaches that are all Ayurvedic, that you could have surgery done or you could, I don't even know all the different layers within that
0: you you uh one of the things that you uh, have worked on is uh, detoxification yeah so is that one of the eight yes i i there was another website i saw where i found your name and there was a lady who was totally into female related issues so is that part of it or is there uh, do you happen to know what these eight are i
1: should have written it down i didn't okay yeah
0: we can Um, we can look it up we can look it up during the break yeah Yeah. it Would be interesting
1: yeah and uh, there are there's some is um Gynecological. Yeah. Um, I know there's. A,
0: we should just look it up. I'm not. Yeah, gonna we'll keep look it Talking. That's well, interesting. The, yeah, uh, yeah. That was definitely. I saw on that one website. I looked at and I thought, wow, that's really interesting. And and you, behind your name it says uh, de- uh, detoxification. So that's a whole process, which yeah. I think is uh, fascinating. And a lot of people uh, come in the store and say, we need to detox. We want to detox the liver, or we want to we want to cleanse for the spring or summer. Uh, We want to do a fast. We want to do a colon detox. And and I think, and I'm glad we talked today because that could be an interesting topic to highlight what your knowledge is. In my opinion, many people don't understand what a detox is all about. I think that if you you have a certain goal ahead of you and you say, how do I get that quicker? And you use it as a detox. But when you come out of the detox, you move into whatever you want to do next. To me, that is more that is more productive than simply doing a detox and go back to the old habits. Right. Right. Which some people like to do. Well, I detox, well, okay, but now what?
1: You know, I make a funny statement. You detox so that you can retox. Ah. <laughs> so that you can live these lives that we live and yeah. we eat these food. We don't really think about where it's from or, you know, what it's doing to our insides. And I think that, a regular detox is like changing the oil in your car. Mm-hmm. If you never change the oil in your car, your car would seize on the side of the highway. Yes, and the same thing happens in our bodies, I believe. Mm-hmm. And if you regularly do a detox, I I offer spring and fall community cleanses or detoxes. Yeah, and if you do it regularly, your body just works better. It's like you bang out the filter of the liver so mm-hmm. that it. Wants to work like it worked when you were a kid. Yes. For yes. most people. Yes. You know, and I think that that's the that's what I love about the detoxing is the fact that you can watch people who've had irritable bowel or whatever for years, yeah. and then
0: it changes. Well, I, I I'm so happy you came to the studio, Thank and you. I'm happy you live in Bozeman.
1: Yes, this is wonderful. So much,
0: and I'm happy to meet you. <laughs> Well, when we come back, we're really going to dig deep into the whole meaning of Ayurveda. What does it stand for? Uh, what are some of the concepts that we that we better understand what Ayurveda is all about? And maybe you'll learn something that you could implement in your own life. Uh, Elaine Dahl, my guest today on Gesundheit with Jacobus, her website is blissfulbozeman.com. Go check it out. And her business is called Blissful Ayurveda and is located on 416 North Montana Avenue. When we come back, uh, we're going to continue with her. We'll be right back. We have a caller on hold who has a question for you or a comment. Uh, good morning, caller. Thanks for holding on during the break. What's your name? How can we help you, please?
2: Well, if it's me, it's Mary. Hi, Mary. And I was just wondering, uh, or might be a suggestion. I've She's read the, well, the first, well, especially the first chapter of Genesis. Uh, just, uh, it's kind of interesting about uh, in the beginning,
0: yeah. And
2: uh, I just wondered if she has read any of that yet. And uh, that's all. No, no pushy stuff. Just, it, but just it's the, interesting. It, you know.
0: it is interesting. Okay. Um, yeah, and okay. that
2: was all. That was all. And I'm listening. Well, thanks, Mary.
0: I appreciate it.
2: Uh huh. Bye. Thank you so
0: You're much. Welcome. You're welcome. Bye bye.
1: Thanks, Mary. <laughs> yeah. I have read that. Actually, I grew up in a religious household, um, a Christian religious household. Mm -hmm. So I do know the Bible and I think that there's validity in that as well as other forms of belief.
0: Yeah, and and I can agree with that. It's a path Mm -hmm. that you walk and you find the inspiration. I know that she's talking. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and God was the Word. Right? Yeah. Uh, so to me, that is true. Now, if she is, if you are referring Mary to the fact that uh, the world is only two or three thousand years old, and how can something this be five thousand years old? Then, well, I guess we have to do the research and find out when things were written. You know, right. but to me, uh, I do know that other cultures have been around and um uh, for a long time
1: for a long for a long time. long time and you know in India, they definitely practice Christianity in places, but there's Hindu is the main religion mhm and okay yeah and um in that, I think there's there's just a lot of beliefs mm-hmm. in the Hindu and lots of gods right. and goddesses, yes. And all of them have been, um, uh, what is it, celebrated for thousands of years. It's pretty amazing to see this in India and how people get so excited yes. <laughs> by the belief pattern that they have chosen. And no right or wrong in it. It's just a different belief pattern than yeah. Christianity.
2: Hmm.
0: That's true. And there's Muslims in India and there's, there's yeah. Buddhists and... Jews. I mean, yeah. there's like, you have the whole gamut. But of, even for a long time, yeah, it's been that way. Yeah. You know, there are stories about Jesus having visited India too. He's been in Tibet. He traveled east when he was 13.
1: Right. I guess I didn't know that. <laughs>
0: well, there's nothing in the Bible about Jesus between the time he was 13 and when he came back to Galilee when he was 30, Right. 31. right. So 17, 18 years of his life...
1: Or unaccounted for.
0: And because he traveled. He traveled like with pilgrims. Well, <laughs> right. one of the things my understanding is that um, he was fascinated to know that three wise men came from it, from the east, which was from India, because they had followed the star. Right. And the star was actually astrology. So they read in the stars that something really special was happening, and they decided to come and check it out. And so he repaid them a visit when he was 13. I mean... 13 in those days you were at a you were at an age to be married right many young people got married at that time and um, uh, so he he, and he decided that was not his thing so he uh, he traveled east and studied uh, uh, studied ayurveda studied buddhism uh, there are there are scripts known in tibetan rolls of uh, parchment paper where his name is written and why he came etc cetera, etc cetera. so it was interesting hmm. Anyway, let's talk about uh, let's talk about this Ayurveda thing. Um, in one of your comments, you say it is a sister science with yoga. What do you mean by that? So, according to Ayurveda,
1: or and in from India, the Hindus, um, Ayurveda and yoga came about at the same time. They both evolved at the same or similar times. And yoga was, which means union, um, is about how we as a, as a being can become enlightened or get mm-hmm. more bold in our beings, our bodies. So there's all these layers of yoga. And what, what originally historically happened was they, they were finding that this was more, it was much more, um, esoteric or okay. spiritual yeah and then the ayurveda was more on the physical oh, okay even though ayurveda looks at the body the mind and spirit awareness
0: um it's much more of like the physical how do you get the body prepared right. to reach enlightenment how do you read the body and we're going to talk about these different concepts vata Pita kapha And those are the doshas, right? So we're going to talk about that. But yes, you are right, because there are certain characteristics that we see in an individual, either in their behavior or in their physical appearance, that uh, is able to help somebody to find a plan that is uh, individualized. And so yoga is indeed moving away from that and being totally in the calmness, the spirit of calm.
1: Yeah. Well, and in the West, yoga is much more of a workout. Yeah. then it is a, a spiritual journey for many people. There are definitely exceptions to that. Yeah. Um, and I think that it's interesting to watch how people who have been in yoga for a while start craving more of the expansion mm-hmm. instead of just doing the movements, the body mm-hmm. movements. What do you mean with expansion? Their, their own um, maybe inner expansion okay. of like how they know themselves. Mm. And I think that's what yoga can be really good and used for. Same with the Ayurveda and the way that they're woven together, you can't really like pick one out from the other because Ayurveda says yoga is important Mm -hmm. to do the asanas, which are the actual physical poses. But yoga has all these limbs and you, you start off with speaking only truths and you finish off with in these eight limbs of yoga, you finish off with samadhi or... Enlightenment. I see, and that's the goal for everybody who's practicing Mm -hmm. it, even though most people don't know that. And Ayurveda was was paired with the yoga to really help people be in the body that
0: you're in instead of unclipping Mm and floating off. Mm -hmm. I see. I can. I can. Is yoga then about that old? Is it? uh, uh... Supposedly, they both really started at the same time. So 5,000 years ago. Is there any knowledge about if it wasn't one individual that came up with a great idea or was it a, a group of students at the time that, that so, started this? Historically, um, rishis, these ancient
1: seers, sat in meditation and they, thousands of years ago, came up with the whole paradigm of Ayurveda. And they this was then... A lot of this was passed down from teacher to disciple for many thousands of years, and then it was written down. But a lot has been lost mm. because of that oral tradition just wasn't continued because of the English coming into I India see, and yeah. wiping it out. Mm. Um, this is super generalized, right? This is because yeah. they have thousands of years of...
0: Figuring this out fig- and perfecting it.
1: Yeah. And, but really, it came from rishis, these ancient seers, and they came up with um, the the trinity of life, which are so that came up in the meditations. Yeah, and they came up with everything. So they saw everything in nature as five elements: earth, water, fire, air, and ether. Uh-huh. And then they also saw that there are these ten sets of attributes. like hot and cold, wet and dry, that everything in nature can be described through. And if you look at the body, the mind, and the spirit through these same lenses of the elements and these attributes, they then came up with the body types. I see. So they looked at, well, all these people are different. Huh even though they have some tendencies, a similar tendencies. And so with, with Ayurveda, they looked at um, these the five elements. They said, okay, earth, water, fire, air, and ether. Yes. If you were to look at a body, you yeah. have all of those elements in the actual body. Okay. Earth being the corporal body, the muscle, the bone, the mass of the body. Water would be any fluid component that's okay. in the body, uh-huh. lymph, plasma, blood. Wow um fire would be our metabolic fire of our digestive tract okay but also every single cell has its own itty-bitty fire going on to Mm -hmm. create change Mm -hmm. and then um air would be the air we breathe in but it governs all motion all movement so without that air element we would just sit on the couch or not do anything Mm -hmm. and then ether would be the subtlest of all the elements but the most pervasive. It's like the space in between. It's the glue that holds us together. I see. But we also have space in our mouth, in our esophagus, in our lungs, in our intestines, so that chemical reactions can happen hmm. and transform
0: what hmm. we see or what we eat into helping our body survive. So, there's the space between the cells. And, and that is not fluid then in the cell, there's matrix fluid around the cell. I mean, it's fascinating the way you explain it, and thanks for doing that. Um, the, to, to, to describe the body, but when you talk about these five, where does the spirit come in? Which one is that? Is that ether also? That is ether. Ether, okay. It's like the closest
1: to oh, I the see. spirit.
0: I see. So it is, we're talking about the body from the crown of the top of the head all the way to the bottom of the feet and what is all in there. Yeah. Okay. And that all of these elements are in there. But these rishis
1: then said some people have more of some elements than others. And that's yeah. when the body types, the vata, pitta, and kapha yes. came in because vata is made up of air and ether elements. pitta is made up of fire and water elements and kapha is made up of earth and water elements Hmm. so we have the reason i put it into the body is so that you can see that we have all of them nobody doesn't have all five elements okay but some people have so vatas tend to be um really creative and Mm -hmm. enthusiastic but Mm -hmm. they can get super spacey and we all have these you know, at different times of the day, perhaps, or the different times of our lives. I see. Too.
0: So you can still, so if you're mainly, let's say, a kapha blood, body type, you can still have some pita in you. Yes. Okay. But the vata of the vata or the kapha is the more dominant one that, yes. that comes out to the physical appearance. Exactly. Okay.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, and that. everybody, you can have a, physical appearance of a dosha and then your mind could be sometimes a different um approach oh interesting and and some of my teachers have said that everybody in the united states has a pitta component to them huh. because that is our drive competitiveness. yeah yes and usually then a vata or a kapha attached mm. to that as a oh. secondary dosha oh i see um so most people are one or two doshas. There's very few people that are all three huh. of them equally. Right. So in a percentage way, you know, you're looking at um, Vata Pitta or Pitta Vata. Predominantly, I still have a tiny bit of Kapha over here that's grounding me. Or I have a lot of Kapha and I have a little bit of Vata hmm. over here. Because we have all of those elements in us. We can't not have them. I
0: was uh, reading last night. And I think I'm a Kapha, but I don't know for sure. So you're the one who can tell me. I was just, I was just reading it, and I go, oh, that's really interesting. And uh, um, You want to go through some of these? I mean, I, I wrote them down over here in your, uh, from your website. If you, I'll give you the list oh, if yeah. you want to go through them. Uh, give people an idea how you can help them to understand what type they are, the Vata, Pita, or Kapha. So I have
1: folks come in and I do a two-hour consultation. That's wonderful. And we talk about, they fill out some paperwork, and then we talk about what's going on for them. Mm. Because the whole picture of a person is really important, not just the ailment mm-hmm. in Ayurveda. It's mm. an important piece of just seeing who have they been and what are their tendencies. And so um, that two-hour experience, we go through what is vata, what is pitta, what is kapha, uh-huh. and then what is their predominance. And so initially, though, I think it's a really difficult concept to get. So yeah. I don't always jump right into what is. what are you. Okay. I talk more about what are some of the things. I like give them maybe five things that they can do okay. that hopefully they could implement into a diet or a lifestyle shifting. But if I gave them 8 million things to do, I'd never see them again. They'd all be overwhelmed. and Or, you know, they would try it for two days and then they'd say, this is ridiculous. I can't change everything in my life. So my goal as a practitioner in this is to help people figure out what will they do? What are they willing to do? Mm -hmm. And if we can get four or five things changed, then in their day-to-day routines, oftentimes they will find some relief. Wow. But in my lens, a miracle is a month. If something changes dramatically in a month, that's a miracle. Because Mm -hmm. most people have things for 20 years. You bet. Or a long time. And so it's in our culture, we're really used to taking a pill and having something seemingly go away. Yes. But in Ayurveda, we do a little bit with herbal supplements and but mostly what you're trying to do is figure out what are some lifestyle and dietary things that we can change that aren't huge, but that will help you really feel better. I see. Mm-hmm. And within the doshas, um, you know, most people, they can come in and I'll say, oh, you are this because they look a certain way or they talk like crazy, like really kind of all over the board. Yeah. That would be more vata because mm-hmm. of all that motion. That's happening or they can't remember what direction they were traveling. Where a pitta person is very directed and focused and able to stay on point. Actually, they get super irritated with a vata person because they can't stay focused. Like, come on, pull it back here. Yes. And the kapha person is much more. It's just not necessarily slower, but they don't understand what's, where's the fire? Like, why are we having to be so like driven and going? I see. Um, so within that, I would say, so Vata, what you have written down from my website is it, it, it's air and ether or space. Mm -hmm. Um, these qualities, the attributes are dry, light, quick, cold, subtle, thin, and rough. And so the qualities are the duality. So dry, the opposite of dry is wet. Yeah. And so these people they just have these tendencies for drier skin. Okay. drier in the mind, which ah. would look like anxiousness or worry or having trouble sleeping sometimes it's a mental thing not mm-hmm. as much a, a physical or okay. b- both probably. Yes. Um but these people are fast speaking, fast moving, creative, energetic. Their physical challenges often are this, is this dryness. So constipation, dry Skin, gas, that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. as well as worry, fear, overwhelm, and then their characteristics are often their body is thin or a narrow frame, long neck, long bones. You know, like piano players yeah, have autistic, yeah, like, autistic yeah. fingers. Yes, <laughs> um, and and not that they can't have other qualities. A lot of women who have babies and they are high vatas, when yeah. their baby comes out, then they have all this space where the baby used to be in yeah, the yeah. womb. And sometimes they will gain a lot of weight oh. to fill that space. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it doesn't always look like the traditional vata mm. sometimes, especially once I see people later in their lives and they've lived these lives and filled space or gotten distracted and aren't really sure what they are Ah. on a, on a doshic level. Mm -hmm. But you see these doshas now in like the yoga journals, you'll see these words everywhere. And I think a lot of people are taking the quizzes online, which is a great place to start Mm -hmm. um, to kind of get a sense. I see. Because through these, the lens of these three doshas, you can get, um, you can get all kinds of information online in books mm-hmm. about what are some things you can choose that you might be willing to do to change that are going to help you today yeah. start feeling better.
0: So there is definitely certain physical characteristics in which you could look at a person and say they're tending to be more vata or pita or kapha. But then when you talk to the person, you may find out that they may have something else, another one of the three doshas, that is more their character or their behavior in general or their thinking pattern or their actions are a little bit different than maybe um the the body type shows you so and and when we come back in the next segment i like to understand how you approach that for people who say i need help with this i need help to feel better how you then help people with um based on this let's do a little more of this based on that let's work with this uh, i guess that's kind of how you work uh, to to get to fill in the blanks where you can find common ground that makes the person feel better that fits more their both the body type their 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 lifestyle uh their where they are in life right now uh some people are maybe stuck they're doing the same thing over and over again, and they may be okay with that, but in reality, when you sit down with them, you may say, you're really stuck, or they may tell you, literally, I am stuck. I, I don't mind what I'm doing, but I don't feel that I'm making any progress. Yes. I've- and These are all parts that uh, that come up, I'm sure, in conversation.
1: Yeah, I mean everybody's unique in their own physical makeup and their mental makeup, and so Ayurveda approaches each person as an individual that way, and that's why these doshas are so important as a as a groundwork, because what will work for one person will be poison for somebody else. Yeah. like in any medicine.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. Um, and most people in the United States are not doctors. We cannot say that we can prescribe or treat just like you said at the beginning of the yeah. show you know but i can make recommendations and they can choose to take them good point
0: yeah mhm and that is makes sense because even if you talk to them for 2 hours they may not open up about everything that's going on in their life and they may not tell you everything that uh, that should be addressed and that's why you have more visits i'm right. sure yeah so you become more like a coach for people in your practice yeah you hope that they come back to see the progress to see the changes and that uh, You know that that they realize it is not that complicated when they start practicing it in their life but it is definitely a a, a philosophy, the whole Ayurveda, the science of life is something that should be put into practice.
1: Yes, I mean the goal is, if you did everything that was in the books Mm -hmm. you'd never leave your house (laughs) I see. So you have to pick and choose what's going to
0: work and what you're willing to do Yeah, the... uh, there is so much to say. I mean, we're going to talk about more. When we come back, I want to hear more about what we're talking about, Vata here, and then go on to the Pita and the Kapha to make people understand some of the differences. So let's do that. Kazunta with will be right back. When you talk about herbs, we all know, everybody who listens, turmeric. Turmeric is one of the herbs from Ayurvedic medicine. So is cardamom, cinnamon um uh, these are some of them right i mean uh, good morning elaine
1: hi good morning (laughs) yeah you know there's a whole uh, pharmacy in your kitchen that you could use that are herbal and i think that's one of the things that's so easy about ayurveda once you get a basic sense you can go to the grocery store and pick foods that are going to help you and your family feel better I see. Um, and that's the goal is not to take a supplement for the rest of your life. Correct. But to actually figure out what foods can help you
0: heal. Yeah. And then using to make certain food like curries are from um, India. Yeah. And then my understanding is that most people in families in India almost have their own recipe. They, they create their own curries, which contains cumin and turmeric and um, Pepper. cu- peppers, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's and
1: a... yeah, and you know they have some of the lowest rates of disease mm-hmm. which is incredible because if you ever go to India it looks like it should be riddled with disease. Yes. And, but it's really a very healthy mm. society except for the fact that western food is now really coveted there and so more and more people are eating at McDonald's or Burger King and they're finding that like weight is coming is, people are gaining tons of weight and Getting sicker, and there's a belief that some most of that comes from the standard American diet, mm. the sad diet. Yeah, <laughs> and um, and it, and that's really affecting health over there because traditionally they've eaten lots of curries. Mm. They have, I, mm. I think I read mm. recently, they eat grams of really um, turmeric daily. Wow. Yeah, yeah, just yeah. lots because it's all in intermixed in their in food. The food. Uh-huh. But people currently are so excited by turmeric in this country, but they most of it is taken in a pill form, a cap yes. form. And not that that's bad or good. Yes. I believe, though, that really figuring out how to make your food with your medicine is mm-hmm. the best way because everybody eats every day. Yes. And if you could actually have your food be your medicine, yes. then you could not have to try so hard
0: to feel better. Yes. There's a lot of people who simply bring their lunch with them. And then there's many people who take their lunch out. You know, they go eat out. Uh, and then you're kind of limited in what you do in this, in this area where we live. And so if you have a capability to make your own food, even if you it's a leftover dinner, and you make your dinner in a healthful, healthful way that may incorporate some of these principles that we're talking about today, um, you're going to have a wonderful lunch and you're going to have great energy the rest of the day. Instead of so many people who have lunch and then they just collapse an hour later, they just wiped out.
1: Or they don't eat lunch and they only eat a
0: dinner. That's true too. Breakfast and dinner, yeah. yeah. It's not very healthy for you. We talked about five elements, five elements uh, known in Ayurveda, the ether, air, fire, water and earth. And thank you so much for explaining that, Where how that sits in the body. And then we talk about the three doshas, which are vata, pita, kapha, and their variations. And then you started explaining the vata. Would you like to share with us what uh, what we what you mean or what in Ayurvedic medicine is understood as uh, pita? Pita,
1: yeah. Pit, pita. Pita. So it's pita, not, a, it's not
0: yeah. the pita pit. Uh, right, it's
1: not a pita <laughs> that you're eating, <laughs> but the pita <laughs> is that fire and water elements. And it governs or controls digestion and metabolism. Um, So processing food and air and water throughout the body. Okay. Um, Its qualities are hot, oily, sharp, acidic, fluid, and intense by nature. Personality-wise, people of a pitta nature or a predominance of pitta are focused, energetic, intense, can be visionary. They're leaders, orators. Um, physical challenges, though, are heartburn, skin rashes, um, weaker liver and loose oh. stools. Huh. And then emotional challenges are anger, criticalness to yourself and others usually, yeah. jealousy, cynical. And body characteristics are they're basically a medium build, good athletic build good musculature mm-hmm. they don't really gain a lot of weight or lose a lot of weight they're about the same uh, most of their lives yeah, if they yeah. lose weight um it's because they're super driven mm-hmm. as a athlete or in their lives that way yeah. and if they gain weight if they focus on it they can lose weight pretty quickly
0: yeah yeah.
1: where a vata person doesn't really usually they they can't gain weight that's a problem they cannot, they gain, cannot weight. gain weight interesting they are more they're they're of that air and ether so their body doesn't want to hold anything mm-hmm. they're they feel better if they're lighter but sometimes they're so light <laughs> they yeah. need to be grounded a little bit more hmm. Hmm. so that's pitta interesting yeah and then the kapha which is earth and water elements controls or governs the structure and the fluid balance within the body meaning like forming of muscle and fat and bone and sinew. And then the qualities are heavy, solid, cold, soft, sweet, steady, moist, and slow by
0: nature. Interesting. What is moist and sweet and slow?
1: So moist um, is because they are a water element. So their tendency is to have really supple skin, um, but they can also get edema because of the extra fluid in the body. Okay. Um, Or they can um, get, sometimes they get rashes because of the water element on the skin, Mm. because it's too watery. Mm. Sweet and soft, though, that's the same idea. So people of a kapha nature tend to have huge eyes. These are the eyes that you see in the Disney movies. Okay. The women yes, have yes, these yes. huge, beautiful, lustrous eyes with very white sclera or the um, background. Yeah, <laughs> And those are kapha eyes, soft I and see. sweet, yeah, yeah. where a pitta's eyes would be much more directed. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, I think um, vata is more squinty okay. and darty with okay. the eyes and pitta is more focused. And, okay. you know, they're going to look right at you and make sure you see them. I see. Um, huh. And then so Kafa also has their personality is they're slower speaking and they're slower moving. They're really consistent and dependable. Once mm-hmm. it's like a boulder on the top of a hill. Not sure when it's going to start moving, but once it starts going, you better get out of the way because that's the way it's going to go. Yeah. yeah. As it starts. Huh. Um, physically, they retain water like I said, and they're prone to the mucousy lung issues and stuff in the sinuses often yeah. our katha component. Hmm. Um, their emotional challenges are over-attachment, greediness, lethargy, and depression. Hmm. Hmm. And those things usually are just, they're slow moving. They maybe have been there their whole lives and how do you how do you change that? I see. And the Kafa person will say, there's no way. This is just me. I see. But if you came in and you was like, hey, I really wanted to change some of these pieces, we would add other elements in to help that Kafa that you are support a, her or him mm-hmm. and feel like you could expand out of where you're currently sitting and feeling
0: you could feel better. I see. Uh-huh. Huh. Wow. If, if somebody comes in and you see after you converse with them and learn from your, 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 your client that they are, for example, a combination of kafa, pita, pita, um, what are some of the questions that come to you? And then how do you address it in helping them make the adjustments necessary to, to feel better? You understand the question? Yeah. So I usually work with people for 6 to 12 months.
1: Okay. Um, some people I've been working with much longer than that, and other people I only see once. Okay. Because for whatever reason, sure. life happens. And the questions I ask are all over the place. So what is your daily routine like? Do you have a routine? Mm-hmm. Do you eat food <laughs> daily? Or is it, you know, are you really drawn to food, or do you forget it sometimes? yeah. yeah. Or what are your sleep patterns like? Mm-hmm. Or any number of things. What are some of your challenges in your body? So a lot of people don't think, well, I don't know, um, like gas. Gas is a big issue. People think, oh, everybody has gas. Mm-hmm. I grew up in a really gassy household, <laughs> and I thought this is totally normal. And when I first yeah. started Ayurveda, I was blown away.
0: No pun intended. No
1: pun intended, <laughs> but of course it was. <laughs> um, with how much like ease was happening in my body. I no longer felt the same way that when my food was digesting Yeah. and I, I really was shocked because I th- grew up thinking that's normal. Yeah. A lot of people like that come to see me, they have, you know, they have constipation and maybe they poop once or twice a week, Yeah. which your body wants to go every day. It wants to release the, yeah. whatever you built it up from the day before but they think it's normal exactly, because this is what they've always grown. Yeah. So we work with the three pillars of health in Ayurveda are digestion, elimination, sleep, and creativity. Mm. And when all three of those pillars of health are in alignment, then you can't knock over the triangle, the tripod. But if one or two or all three of those are out of whack, it's really easy to have any dis-ease come into your system or disorder right. come in. So oftentimes, I start working with people around their di- um, digestion right. and elimination, depending on what's going on there, and then also around sleep because we have epidemic problems with sleep. Mm-hmm. And so those that's where I start. And like I said a while ago, A miracle is a month. So if in a month you feel like things have really changed or I can mirror back to you how much things have changed, definitely people want to keep going with it because they're feeling better. I have a woman right now who we've been working together for years and she is 80. She's turning 80 this year. And she says, this is the best she's maybe ever felt. Wow, isn't that something? I love that because yes. we're told in our culture, mm, it sucks to get old. Yes. And yet, this is all you get. Mm-hmm. So, how do you do it well and gracefully?
2: Mm.
1: And I do think Ayurveda looks at the simple things. It's not like, like I said, you don't have to change every single thing in your life. But once you start getting in a direction that feels better, you might. But it won't feel like drudgery or hardship because you actually feel good in the process of it.
0: Right, so your three pillars are sleep, um, digestion, and elimination. Yep. And the third one was? Creativity. Creativity. In, in India, it's called
1: brahmacharya, which is celibacy. But we're all householders, and so that's a really hard one to look at in this culture. So myself and some of my teachers, we have all changed, not changed it, but but expanded the um, definition into creativity. Okay. Because our sexuality is our creativity. Mm-hmm. Babies are born that way. People yeah. can live from that that place of creation. Mm-hmm. And I think the same most people feel like all I do is my job. I see. And I'm not creative in it. And so that is that can be mm-hmm. a downward spiral of feeling like
0: nothing goes well in my life or
2: you know
1: whatever comes through that.
0: So when you talk to people in your conversation, in your in, take-in interview, and you 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 listen for hints, I take it, that deal with the sleep, the digestion, and the creativity, and then you say that is like the tripod. So you're trying to figure out where in that in that tripod is an imbalance. So which of the three may need a little bit more support? Which of them? we should calm down a little bit and or which ones need to be calmed down or supported. Is that kind of, yeah? does that make sense? It does. It does. You know,
1: it's, everybody is so different in, in it, but I feel like those are really good places to start because we eat every day and digestion and elimination. If that could actually go in the right direction, anything could happen. Mm. Any change mm. could happen. So one of my first clients i ever had when i was in school Yeah, she came to me um with let's see she had chronic constipation and 17 years before i met her she had lost her husband yeah there's those things that, that yeah are so important to know so important to know and she still was talking about him as though he had just passed away i see and what and i couldn't change that i didn't want to it's just information yeah and so what we worked on though was di- elimination not really anything else initially we just had to open that channel of mm-hmm. apanavata just get things moving downward <laughs> mm-hmm. and once that happened all of this um storyline in her mind started changing. Once we opened her bowels and allowed her to be able to eliminate every day, wow. her mind chatter changed and she no longer she just didn't really even recognize herself. She felt wow. like this story that I've been telling for the last 17 years is it can't live in me anymore because it's moving out with the poop, yeah, <laughs> as well as in the mind. So it was a really Interesting for me, correlation between the body and the mind that the mind, it seemed like was super stuck, just like the gut was super stuck and when the gut let go, the mind had to follow.
0: yeah it's that's pretty indeed, amazing It' amazing. and I, I see indeed um, many times when we have known people for a long time, When we haven't seen him, obviously, the first thing we think about is how we remember the last visit so many years ago. And then we have a tendency to pick up our conversation right there and maybe have our feelings and our thoughts about that individual from that time. Yes. And I realize more and more, and I have realized that we're all, the majority of people who I hang out with are are hard on themselves. They really want to do better. And so it is important to to have that concept about people, to have that good thought that probably even if we haven't seen them for seven or eight years or ten years or five years, they probably have changed. There's probably yeah. a change. And for somebody like what you're talking about being stuck on that very important happening in her life, the loss of her soulmate yeah. to to then be on your own and never be able to let it go, to have her body use that to hold on, which is the constipation that we consider constipation of the bowels. But really, it is constipation in her mind, in her heart. She is stuck. Yeah. And so that is so interesting how you say that, that somehow you were able to work with her and let her eliminate that and clear her mind and clear her heart and to be open for new challenges.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was a beautiful journey, really, yeah, to yes. witness and help guide. And I love that she did it.
0: Are so. you, I, can you, can you, I don't know how much time we have, but can you eliminate, uh, of, uh, uh, illuminate us a little bit about some of the things that she did? Was it diet? Was it meditation? Was it uh, yoga? Or was it certain herbs that you used to help her in that concept?
1: So, when we first started, it was herbs to help open the channels, which I think is really beneficial, initially or throughout um,
0: treatment. And then um, we Maybe did what everything. we should do. okay? Let's talk about when we come back. Okay, perfect. Then you have a chance to really think about it or give us some other examples yeah. about how you approach that. It'll be interesting. We'll be Right back. Stay tuned, please. You were going to explain. You were going to explain us something.
1: <laughs> yeah, I was going to talk about what I did with that client. Yeah, um, that's right. The first, your opened, first client you ever yeah, had. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that was so. Uh, thankfully, something. I had other people helping me decide you bet. how to help her. Yeah. Um, but w- one of the first things we did was was work with um, herbs, and I recommend herbs in my practice to help change pathways. So not for the rest of your life, but to help open or change whatever might be currently happening. Mm-hmm. And I feel like often herbs are a great tool to get that started. Yeah. Um, so we started with herbs with her. We also had her um, make sure that she sat down to eat and in India, they say if you stand and eat, death is looking over your shoulder, <laughs> I
0: see.
1: which is pretty drastic. Um, but it's, it's not what you do every now and then that affects you. It's what you do all the time. I see. And so the, she was eating standing up all the time, uh-huh. which adds air into your system. One of the elements and that air was constantly putting a damper on her ability to eliminate. Through her bowels, and so we just tried to figure out what are some things that are relatively easy that she could implement today, and
0: do daily, or at least most of the time. So in her case, it was not per se the the kinds of foods that she was eating, her emotional upset, and her uh, her spirituality, which was blocked, um, typically blocked her physical body at some point. So people, and and that is so interesting because I talk to people regularly, they say we eat healthy and then when I ask them, you know, everybody, what is healthy is different for different people. I mean, some people say I don't do fast food or I don't do coffee or I don't do sodas or uh, I don't do drugs or whatever they say. Within the healthy choices, even the organic choices, there is... You can still eat unhealthily, especially if the the body that is receiving the nutrition is not in balance with the emotions and the the mind and the body itself.
1: Yeah, and I find that it's not really. It is what you eat is important. It is important, and how you eat is really important, according to Ayurveda. Mm-hmm. And that's the sitting to eat, chewing your food more, like not being super angry when you're eating or, or emotional, um, you know, being focused while you eat, mm. and not watching television. I mean, things that we all do all the time, yeah. seemingly, and don't think about it. Mm. And these, you know, just sitting to eat can make a huge difference. It doesn't matter what you're eating. Honestly, it helps your body process food to sit down. Right, right, right. Um, And... I believe that quality food is really is important. You bet. Yeah. And balance. And vegetarian. balance yeah. and mm-hmm. but oftentimes I don't start there because that's a, those are really hard to change what we always pop into our mouth. Mm-hmm. So some of the behaviors around food are can be really good places to begin mm-hmm. because everybody eats mm-hmm. most every day. Mm-hmm. So if if you could get somebody to sit to eat for three meals a day, yeah. that could be life-changing. Hmm. But you'd never hear that no. <laughs> outside of Ayurveda, really. I mean, I'm sure there are other venues that that's set in, but that is one of the main things that we talk about, not just what you're eating, but how you're eating your food.
0: It is something of the uh, modern day, I would say. If you go back a few decades ago, uh, yes. people would have more breakfast together and lunch together. Uh, I'm not talking about together. I'm just talking no, but about even together, so- together to the point when you come home, and you uh, i mean when i went to elementary school i would go home for lunch we would the school was out for an hour and a half wow. and pretty much everybody would go home and even the teachers and then they would just eat and come back to school and um but my family would sit around the table and actually have lunch do lunch do lunch, do uh, lunch. yeah so That's you fabulous. sit there you talk uh, my problem was i would stay after school at 12.15, from 12.15 to one forty-five, that was the break. And I would then uh, get a soccer ball or a <laughs> tennis ball, or we would roll up some aluminum foil and play soccer. And sometimes I played soccer till one fifteen, and then I had to run home, <laughs> and then they said, where, where were you? And of course, I would lie. I would right. say, I had to help the teacher clean the blackboard <laughs> for an hour, and then I would just... Uh, Grab the food and eat real quick and start running back. It would take me uh, about seven, eight minutes, so I had to leave. If I would leave at one thirty-five, <laughs> I could barely make it through traffic. <laughs> I would run. That's so great. <laughs> but, but anyway, it. so it was probably not very smart on my part. But it worked, you know. <laughs> really, I'm here today. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but uh, I see your point. If you can actually sit down and know that you're eating food and what you're eating and choosing your food, um that does bring more calm and balance in the system
1: yeah and you know i think i was just going to comment on like the whole running home and eating with your family you know there's um we as humans like we have lost that community on a lot of levels Mm -hmm. and it's it's like when you're young it's really easy to bounce back Mm -hmm. but what i see when i people come to my practice they're I mean, I have all ages, honestly, mm-hmm. but most people are in their 30s, 40s, 50s, and 50s, maybe yeah. a little bit into their 60s. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and what you were doing as a kid, you can no longer do. Mm-hmm. And so they're really freaked out. They're like, no, but I want to be like I used to run home and not have a problem digesting that food. And it's like, it's meeting yourself as you are in yeah. this body today, not how you were 20 30 40 years ago Mm. and that i think is a challenge (laughs) because most of us don't meet ourselves to daily we say we wake up into i see and so there are universal things that you can do but it is very individualized
0: you know that is uh, that's so true. So when when uh, this person you have had, I'm sure more people uh, in de- those days working with the teacher, working with your fellow students on people, was that people would come to the school and say, "Can we be like a guinea pig?" Was that kind of how it worked?
1: Yeah. So there was a an internship, mm-hmm. and each of us had to see a certain number of initial patient clients Mm -hmm. and then we also had to have a certain number of follow-up visits Mm -hmm. with whoever would come and so oftentimes they actually it was through the clinic of this school the california college of ayurveda and um they would sign up we we could bring people in but But some people would just call and say, I have these ailments and I'd like to see one of your interns because I don't want to pay full price to see a practitioner. And they have this great school with all these interns that are constantly changing around. And so they could keep coming to the school, but they might not see the same intern Mm
0: -hmm. after we would graduate. Mm -hmm. There is something in um, Ayurveda, We you call them the concepts, Agni,
1: Ama. yeah.
0: The three malas, the seven datus. Datus, yeah. datus? Datus, yeah. Can you explain some about that, what that means? Agni, A-G-N-I? Yeah, so... Ag- is agni and ama the same thing? No,
1: they're okay. different. So the disease process in Ayurveda, um, health in Ayurveda, health would be order, and disease is disorder. Right. And so agni according to Ayurveda, is probably the A number one thing that we look at as practitioners. It's how you digest your food. How is the fire, the agni is mm-hmm. translates to fire, how is the fire in your gut working or in your cells working okay. or not working? Is okay. it too high or too low? Or is it perfect? And what happens, so agni is that fire, when... um. Agni doesn't burn correctly, then you get toxins left in the body. Okay. And toxins are ama. Okay. So, Agni. So, it's like if you had a um, campfire and Agni is your campfire and it's burning, you get all this great fire and heat and then the next morning you have all this good ash. But if you sift through that ash, you might find chunks, hard chunks. Correct. That's ama. Okay. And that's... And that, in the body, can relocate, according to Ayurveda, anywhere that you have the least resistance. So that's the uh-huh. individualized thing. So that yes. ama could actually come up in your brain and Absolutely. be yes, anxiousness. Yeah. Or it could be in your gut and be SIBO. Yes. Or it could be arthritis in your joints. Totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that goes back to the digestion and elimination being one of those three pillars of health. Yeah, and This Agni is the same thing. We have to look at how is your fire burning in okay. your body. And for some people, especially those Pitta people, mm-hmm. their fire burns too hot and they get acid reflux or heartburn or they get really loose stools and they go to the bathroom 10 times a day or I something. Ah. And then the other side of that is not burning hot enough, which is constipation hmm. often. And hmm. so I talk a lot about poop in my practice. Yeah,
0: why not? <laughs> why
1: not? And it's great. People come up to me in the grocery store. They're like, oh my gosh, I'm having the best poops. I'm like, well, well we should maybe talk about that somewhere else. <laughs> not the produce section. <laughs> <laughs> but it's there is nothing like a good poop. Yeah, There's really is. nothing like it. And huh. when it's not happening correctly in your body, your body breaks down hmm. often. So that is Agni and Ama. Yeah, And then the three malas are the three waste products, supposedly. I mean, not supposedly, but according to Ayurveda. And that would be stool, urine, and sweat, which some bodies don't do correctly. So the stool we've talked about, urine can be any, it, it can look really different for a lot of bodies. It is. And so it can be used as a tool to figure out what's going wrong Uh in your system. Yeah. And the same with sweat. So some people don't really sweat. Kapha people have a harder time getting sweat happening. Pitta's Mm. sweat profusely. And vata's can sweat or not just kind of depends on their body warmth. Mm. And they're often cold, so they don't always sweat. I see. So... But they, it can be a smell that comes out in their sweat. Okay. Um, it can, it's just information on, on other layers than physically what's happening in your body. Um, and then the datus, datus, the seven datus are the tissue layers. So there's rasa, rakta, mamza, asti. So all these different layers. So rasa is the, (laughs) uh plasma is the liquid fluid okay. except for blood which is rakta so that's a tissue layer is the actually tissue layer
0: but plasma is not a tissue layer is i it?
1: know so this that's is where it gets a little bit different because it's just a translation of datu and datu just means different layers that we're layers looking in general. at maybe not yeah. tissue
0: layers but layers in general
1: but they describe it as tissue because oh. there is me- um uh Mamza is muscle. Asti is bone. Nerve, maja is nerve. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're layers of our, how our system runs. Absolutely. Yeah. And so, um. Oftentimes, where I see that or feel that is through pulse diagnosis. Okay. And there are layers in the pulse. It's different than taking your pulse at the
0: doctor's office, which is just beats per minute. Acupuncturists also do a pulse reading. Is it similar in this case, or you're looking for different things?
1: It's similar. Okay. But we are looking for different things. You know, in, in um, acupuncture, Chinese medicine, they take it both wrists. Often in Ayurveda, you take just one wrist. Mm-hmm. And for a woman, it's the left wrist. And ah. for a man, it's the right wrist you take them on ah. just because of the essence of masculine, mm-hmm. feminine. But sometimes people have ailments of that arm or something, or you can't, you just cannot feel their pulse. And so you'll take it on the other side. Yeah. Um, but that's, and then so the superficial, the very top layer is what, what I feel where you're out of balance or balanced.
0: So the super top layer is, very light touch, Very light. I would take it, yes. Yeah.
1: And then as you go deeper, you feel really, yeah, you can feel something different. You can feel something different, huh. yeah. And the pulse Vijas, the pulse amazing doctors, they read thousands, 10,000 pulses or something, and they can tell you what happened with your mother while you were in utero, really, through the pulse, huh. It's amazing.
0: That's hard to dispute,
1: of course. I, yeah, Go totally. Have no I, was, idea.
0: <laughs> I was there, but I wasn't but there. I wasn't there.
1: <laughs> but they can say, wow, your mom was sick the last couple of weeks of your... Pregnancy. Yeah, of her, her pregnancy. pregnancy yeah, and oh. you, how would you even know that? You don't oh. know me from anybody. You know? Yes. So I'm not quite like that yet yeah, as a pulse yeah, yeah. reader, but I definitely have read amazing things in pulses. So the superficial all goes all the way to the deep, and the very deep is what... Your basic constitution is Mm. called your Mm prakruti, which is your base layer. And according to Ayurveda, that was set. That's your vata pitta kapha framework. That was set at the moment of conception. Wow. From your mom and dad. So, or if you're a test tube baby, you know, the moment that it all hit, that is when your prakruti was set.
0: Prakutri?
1: Prak, prakutri.
0: Prakutri.
1: Yeah. So that means your vata pitta or your pitta kapha nature was set right then. And so what I'm trying to do as a practitioner is get you back to what was set at that moment, which, you know, does that really happen for lengths of time? It's constantly a fluctuation. That's why you have or don't have to, but there's diet and lifestyle and different aspects of things that you can do to help you hold that place of balance or oh. be able to come back to it when you've forgotten or get distracted by something else and you can come back to that place of balance through any number of things ayurvedically and so that sense. is the and,
0: deepest layer that you go to
1: yeah wow huh.
0: and that's all in just one side of the one touching pulse. one touch of the the, the the wrist so in that you also feel the blood and the plasma so those are layers that you feel and uh, you talk about muscle and nerve, so you can feel if uh, there is a lot of tension or that you're holding on to tension in your muscle yeah, or if your nerve is damaged maybe.
1: Yes, you can feel all kinds of things in there. Plus every single dosha, vata, pitta, kapha, have five sub-doshas. So vata has, which don't really matter here at all, but I can also feel those in the pulse. So it's basically showing you as this energetic makeup through the pulse. Okay. And sometimes you can feel cancers in there or you can feel a pregnancy or you can mm. feel the arthritis, the ama that's gotten stuck in the joints. And you can actually feel that in the pulse. Huh. So you can feel without some of the Vijas or so some of these doctors, they will um, just touch your pulse. They won't ask you any questions. Really? And they can go through and tell you everything. <laughs> wow. But I, something. I think it, I think it's helpful to get a bigger picture of a person. Sure. And just taking pulse. But that's yeah. a really cool party trick.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I, I, I do. It's so interesting. Whereas I talk to people, I am asking, uh, many times there is more layers when people come sit down with me and, and explain the issues they're dealing with. And especially when it comes up to how long have you had it? How long has it been with you? And they say, you know, last five years. And, and I ask them what happened five and a half, six years ago in your life. Um, They all have a story to tell where something like your first client with the husband who passed away, that was a big thing in her life that has never been dealt with appropriately. Maybe she didn't have time to deal with it at the, at the time. And then life, she's wrapped up in life again. Maybe she had children and she had to take care of the children and think about how to make money and do the paperwork, et cetera, et cetera. Didn't have time to really process that. And so that unfinished business is somehow stored in our files, mm-hmm. which are your layers. Yeah. And then how it comes out can indeed be outwardly. It can come out to things that we can literally see. So the skin or the, the sinuses or the lungs or the bowels or the kidneys, kidney, bladder... We can see those, yeah. And but the, uh, for other people that may have a stronger constitution, for them it may work more inwardly. It could develop into Alzheimer's or diabetes or pancreatitis or arthritis or things that you cannot really see from the outside, but that is brewing on the inside.
1: Yes, which I think for a lot of
0: people is really frustrating. It is, because, because some people who have physical ailments, they always... I'm always this or that. Well, now I know I can send them to you and you work with them. Yeah. But at the same time, I say to them, at least be happy that your body is telling you each and every time when something is going on, you know it. But many people don't know that there's a heart attack brewing or they don't know that they have a cancer developing in their body that is uh, all of a sudden is full blown because you keep ignoring it. When it is physical, you really see it all the time and you deal with it, which is no fun but there's something you can do about it.
1: Yeah. Well, and I think it's interesting because according to Ayurveda, it all starts out in the ethers, kind of in your spirit awareness, Mm -hmm. and then it moves into your mind, and then it physically presents in the body.
0: Totally true. So that
1: you'll pay attention to it. And, you know, we all are good ignorers of things. And so oftentimes those ailments that show up in your mind, have been riding in a circle, just like I told you about that one client who had yes. the story that kept riding. And we don't talk about that as something that could physically affect you,
0: really. Yes. I mean, is it easier to work with children?
1: It, it can be, you ah. know, if the parents are present and they want to help the kid do some okay. changes. Okay. Um, But most kids are like, whatever. They're running home from school and eating in four minutes. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Um, but I do I do work with some kids and I've I've worked with babies a little bit as Mm. especially around digestive stuff. I see. And a lot of kids these days are really eating in foods that aren't the best for them. Yeah. Because their parents are so busy and no judgment in any of it. But Mm -hmm. it's 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 interesting to watch these tiny little bodies that are Mm-hmm. supposed to be able to process stuff that we've taken we take for granted that yes. no big deal mm-hmm. and they can't. Mm-hmm. Um so oftentimes I I have to recommend different foods. Right. And that's hard in a family. But if the mother and father came in first and then they bring their kid way easier than just a kid plopping in. And so see. that
0: gives you kind of an insight already in the family dynamic or the family. How is it going? And then hear already something about the child. Yeah. Okay. Mm.
1: And they wanted, They already want to do some changes. Yes. Instead of having a kid say, I, want to, I, don't want, I don't want to feel this way, but I don't want to change.
0: Hmm. It's hard to change. It's hard to change. Yes. It's you right. have to want to change. Yeah. And we'll be right back. Ayurveda, very, very interesting uh, concept. I really need to learn more about it. I have a few books. Uh, 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 yesterday, my wife says, did you know we have a couple books on Ayurveda? I said, get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> so shows you how much I know about our extensive library. Uh, the, the, there is one, it's called Ayurveda, the Science of Self-Healing by Dr. Vasant Lad, L-A-D, and he is probably the best known man from India, Ayurvedic specialist that uh, that has made it in the United States, wouldn't you say? I don't know if he's still alive.
1: He is still alive.
0: Yeah. And um, actually, I think Deepak Chopra
1: is well, probably more well more known. well known. But he is like Gandhi. <laughs> Vasant Lad is amazing in how yeah. he presents himself. He he started the Ayurvedic Institute in yes. um uh where the heck is that down in New Mexico? Okay. And uh. So his, he's got a big practice out yeah, yeah. there in the world. Huh. And he's really, and I think this book, the Ayurveda, the, um, what is it? The Science of Self-Healing is one of the best beginner books. Okay. Because it's in lay person terms. And, you know, if you look at some of the traditional texts, it's in Sanskrit, which is definitely a different language. And this has some Sanskrit in it, but it's really well laid out of what it means in English. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So
0: that's good. And this was originally written in 1984 and then reprinted in 2009. So I have a feeling that uh, it probably has been added to make it a little bit more up-to-date, I would say. But a lot of great information in there really is. And then the other one I have is called the Ayurveda Bible, the definitive... (laughs) That maybe answers the call for Mary, who <laughs> called earlier. The Ayurveda Bible, the definitive guide to Ayurvedic healing. And uh, that is by Anne McIntyre. Anne McIntyre. Um, there is a text message from the text line. What is the average cost of a visit to Elaine Dahl?
1: So depending on what you get, the average, the, my initial consultations are $150 for the two hours. And I also do body work. And some people just come in and get massage.
0: Okay. So what's the difference with your massage and body work than somebody else's?
1: So I don't, I'm not doing any deep tissue. I'm working with the lymphatic system and the nervous system. And those, and I do massage itself, but I also do a steam on people, I do this thing called a shiradara, which is a stream of oil that pours off the top of the head. It is not a drip, really? <laughs> or a torture, and it's really calming to the nervous system. So
0: that on that one, you stand
1: up? No, you're laying down. You're and laying it, down, but it's pouring off the top of the head, not across the face. Oh, and right into the middle of the forehead. And most yeah. people, and this is great for people who can't sleep. <laughs> really, um, and they usually fall asleep almost immediately on the table. Um, I also I, I do a ton of different things. So they have their right head outside. on
0: plastic or something? That it, uh, no, catch they it?
1: underneath where their head is laying on the table. There's yeah. a piece of plastic there. Okay, that's what I mean. Yeah. But on their, it's just through their hair or on a bald head if they have no hair. And yeah, I have done that one with a, a lot of bankers actually, and it's because it's really calming to the mind chitter chatter. What kind, What is? What kind of oil is it? It's a bunch of kinds, depending on what the person okay. is experiencing. Um, but often it's a sesame sunflower sure. base.
0: And then you add other essential oils to it, or I is could, that not I, part of the uh, no, is no. That not part of the therapy? Yeah,
1: essential oils potentially. But some people that's not good for them to have the those particular oils. They can be too caustic for some people. Okay. Um Depending on the oils as well. Yeah, sure. No, no,
0: no. I mean, like lavender or or, or tea tree oil or whatever. You know, you don't do that. That will not be part of it. It's usually those two oils. Right. Oh, okay.
1: So, and then, so that, the shirodara. Yes. So so everything that I'm saying is in Sanskrit.
0: Yeah, go for it. (laughs) Yeah.
1: But the Shiradara is, that's 85 for an hour, and the stream runs on the forehead for about 35 minutes. Really? Yeah. And like I said, it's really great for people that are having trouble sleeping. Huh. Somehow it just shuts the mind How up. How much
0: oil are you going to use in 35 minutes?
1: A lot of oil. <laughs> I use a lot of oil. <laughs> my, If I didn't like oil, I'd be in the wrong business. Yeah. Because I use <laughs> yeah. copious amounts, gallons of oil. Wow. So, yeah. So, my consultations, the initial one is 150. And then follow-up visits are 85. Mm-hmm. And then the body work is any, any number of things. I think the lowest amount is 40 for a steam and then it can go up to a bliss therapy which is when you get a massage with that shiradara and a steam and all of that's like two and a half hours and that's 235 what's the steam the steam is like a a tent that i put down onto a um massage table
0: a tent on top of the massage table. yeah your
1: head is outside so your head is laying on where the face cradle is sure and then oh you're laying on your stomach or on your back okay either probably both during a session you start face down and then you'll flip over or up or whatever and um there's herbal uh steam coming in wow from the tail end and it just pumps into this. So stick. are your feet in
0: there as well? Yeah, the whole body oh, except the for the head be, yeah,
1: yeah. is in there. Huh. And this, so what that does, it's called swedena and a, the sweat or yeah, seam sure. and it opens the pores and it helps force the oil deeper into the skin, which then helps loosen ama or toxins from right under the skin and mobilizes them. So that helps loosen them up so they want to become mobile. And then you, they will, through osmosis, go in, hopefully, to the digestive tract and be able to be eliminated out. Or they sweat out, but really it's this forcing of the oil in to loosen things up so they want to move. Yeah, yeah. Huh. Yeah. So I do all of those things. Yeah, finally. <laughs> yeah. I also do these really cool therapies that are called Bostys, and they are dough dams that I make. They're like a donut that I paste on the body in different places. One is over the heart. Really great for
0: anxiety. What do you mean with pasty? Paste, I paste. So, so I, what is the material? It's it's dough. It's dough? It's okay. actually
1: out of um, garbanzo bean flour huh. because it sets up like concrete. Yeah. And it doesn't get soggy. So I paste it onto the body. Like I put icing on cake kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. And paste it on. And then I put a menstruum inside a, um, a liquid... Yeah healing thing it could be milk it could be ghee it could be um, oil it could be any number of things in there and those depending on what when depending on where ghee? so on, over the heart yes, I use milk and ghee because it's really soothing hmm. and then over the low back a lot of people have low back pain I do one called a kati basti and I do oil in that one because
0: just because of the nature of where it's put on the body. And then the oil doesn't, uh, because it's pasted on, the oil doesn't escape. Right. It kind of stays in the donut. It's pooled now, right how, there. How big is the donut? I mean, um, how big is the donut hole? Is it a couple, three inches? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Right. Ah. So the whole thing, it could be bigger depending on where it is put on the body. Yeah. The one on the heart, for some people, they don't want it on the front. They want it over the back part. So it just really depends on where... It's being pasted onto the body, but those are one of some of my favorite therapies because it's really magical. <laughs> it's like you're pouring information or love into that person's heart or into this place where they're feeling so much pain in their back and they have for whatever 20 years. Ah. And so they get use,
0: relief. So you're talking about a menstruum. In this case, we're talking about oil, milk. What was the other one? Ghee. Ghee, what? Ghee, which is oil too, but it's clarified butter. Yeah. Um, and does it's just, it have pulling power or does it have uh, does it penetrating power? What, what is it? Well, I think it does both, honestly. Really? But I see stuff get absorbed into the
1: body. Yeah, so yeah. a lot of that, so anxiousness is vata. So it's air and ether. So it's really dry usually especially if we run anxious or worried and a lot of people are worried all the time about something yes, yeah yes, yes. and so this just it's a it draws into that dryness of the heart not actually physically potentially sure. you wouldn't yeah. look at the heart and be like wow that's dry there's a bunch of oil there right yeah. but it's dry in the way that it feels it feels lack I or see. it doesn't feel at all it's totally shut off yeah and yeah. so um putting that in, the, I definitely have seen stuff disappear into mm. the skin, into the body. But it's much more of a soothing thing. I yeah. Think. And it's really focusing on that part of the body. Which but I take it you nobody. just do
0: one section at a time. Yes. So while well, somebody lays on their stomach, you could do different parts of the, uh, the spine, right? Yeah.
1: Right. It can be a management issue, though, because... You can pop these things off. Sure. <laughs> if you breathe really hard or you cough oh, or something. Okay. So usually I just do one so damn at a time. And how long do you leave it on approximately? Twenty minutes. Really? Yeah. Ah. Huh. And I I mean, every kind of thing happens. A lot of times though people would fall asleep. They yeah. fall asleep.
0: Or they you know, they startle themselves awake when they're So could snoring. they do this, uh, could they do a basti at the same time with a sweat? So the, yeah. the, that the Basti is on the body about mm. the sweat that's coming in? No, usually,
1: so what I've done with that actually is I'll sweat somebody first. Okay. And then take it off, take the sweat or the steam tent off, and then we'll do a Basti. Yeah. I and guess. usually they're more settled huh. after a steam. But I also have had people do a Shiradara, that stream of oil over the top of the head, yeah, and right. then do a Basti. Like you can mix and match for sure.
0: Shiradori. Dara. dara
1: s-h-i-r-o i-r-o d-h-a-r-a shiro is head in sanskrit and Dara is stream yeah. all right so a stream of oil on the head
0: oil stream wow yeah. what
1: else it's yummy right yeah of course <laughs> sounds like a winner to
0: me <laughs> bring it on
1: um uh,
0: how interesting
1: yeah and so, so I have some people who just come for body work and I have other people who come for the whole picture.
0: For counseling.
1: And other people who just come for the counseling and they don't want to be touched at all. Huh. And, you know,
0: all of that in between. But you say um, your massage, you don't do deep tissue, but so lymphatic is really in certain areas is very light massage, isn't yes. it?
1: mm mm-hmm. huh. But it's not like I'm tickling.
0: <laughs> no, I know. It's, I've had it done. But it's
1: lots and lots of oil. And so in Ayurveda, it's really about getting to mobilize your ama. So it's used predominantly in India as like the soothing thing, but it's really to get you ready to cleanse. Yes. And that's yes. what it's used in traditionally in India is to really get the body ready. So it wants to purge it, whatever you don't need anymore out. Mm. Um, so, but, but in this country, yeah. We use it for relaxation tools or the super dry skin. Some people have really super dry skin, and it's a great hydrating tool for the dryness, mm. especially living in a high desert here. Mm. <laughs> Most everybody runs kind of dry. Yeah,
0: you talked earlier about the agni, the fire, the ama, which is the the toxins, the, the toxins. and and you wrote over here in your notes uh, repressed emotions, which is probably interesting to to um, to make that understand that that it doesn't have to be anything hard but it could be a hard emo it could be emotions that are stuck that has no place to go
1: yeah
0: yeah it was interesting so you with these therapies the sweat and the basti and the shiradhara uh, you're able to bring some of the ama loose loosen it and get it out of the system yeah yeah so you
1: don't have to live the same way you've lived yeah um, or you feel like there's hope even if it's not quick changes, they're really deep and lasting. And sometimes the body work, I believe, um, helps us hold those changes more. Yes. Because if we come against a wall and the wall is rough and doesn't, and not porous at all, then you're up against a wall. You're not going to change anything. But if you can get it to lubricate and be a little bit more um, receiving, yeah. then all kinds of changes can happen and health wise.
0: So uh, to answer the question from the caller, the first initial visit is a couple hours, is one hundred and fifty dollars, and then the follow up visit are eighty five, and then all the individual treatments would be eighty five. Yeah, and they take about an hour.
1: Yeah, depending. Yeah, depending. Yeah, yeah. And I do some packages as well. For, okay. I I do um, an intake package, which is the initial consultation. One follow-up visit and three different body works. Ah. and that um, is usually four seventy-five, and you get it for four ten. Oh wow! So you get a really nice discount. And the okay. reason for that is because most people have no idea what Ayurvedic bodywork is. Yes, and it's a way to get them through the door to to experience it. And usually, once they've experienced it, they love it, and they want to keep coming back.
0: Yeah, that makes total sense. Wow, it must be very comfortable then. Yeah, that your practice nice and warm. I mean, it has to be a nice, comfortable temperature. I'm sure.
1: Yeah, yeah, I have a treatment room, and then I also have a consultation room. Okay, and they're separate, just so that you know somebody can go and change in the treatment area.
0: Right, right. Wow, it is really interesting. Um, when you are doing an intake with people, you use the pulse. We talked about pulse earlier. You also use other ways uh, whereby the face, like a facial diagnosis. Is that right? Yes. And, I, and I've heard about facial diagnosis back in the day in macrobiotics. I think they're still doing it. And uh, there are people who do iridology and there are people who do look at the face and they, they see some lines and characteristics and color and all that good stuff. Tell us some of the other diagnostic tools that you use as far as facial diagnosis if we can and again we're not diagnosing treating or curing but within the philosophy and modality the healing modality of ayurveda the lifestyle of ayurveda facial diagnosis is something that is used by the practitioners all the time tell us more about it please
1: okay so part of that initial consultation i look at the whole body because of just different qualities of the Vata Pitta Kapha in the body as a whole. Like what is its size and shape? Is it really like a regular um, presentation or is there some abnormalities there? In the face itself, though, I look for the forehead. Often will have lines across it, especially as people get older. And those usually denote worry. Okay. Um, Or... Lines around the mouth can often mean, um, issues around digestion potentially or the lungs mm-hmm. depends on the person too. Um, I also look at the tongue. I'll have people stick their tongue out at me.
0: Yeah. That's the one time they can do it legally. <laughs> exactly.
1: <like. laughs> and they love it. Mm. <laughs> but, um, yeah. So I look at that and what that tells me is more like a, uh, an x ray into your torso. Of the body, because according to Ayurveda, there is um, a mirror or an image of your whole torso, with the tip of your tongue being the head, and the back of the tongue being your pelvis, ah. and then all the organs between the head and the torso really are, or the head and the pelvis are, you can see them on the tongue.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you can see uh, cracks in the tongue.
1: Yeah, cracks or scallops around the side. They look like teeth marks. Okay. Some people, as they've gotten older, it looks like their tongue doesn't even fit in their mouth. Really? And those scallops mean um, n- all the nutrients are not coming in. Yeah, yeah. Some of it's getting distracted. Um, I'll also notice coating, if there's a coating on the tongue. Sure. Or bumps, different. sometimes there's colors of bumps on the tongue. Or there's just the coating, but there's an absence of coating in a certain place which usually talks about whatever um, organ is right there on the tongue is doing something different
0: yeah, 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 than yeah. the rest
1: of the tongue. Huh.
0: So when you uh, when somebody comes in and makes up their story, uh, you can say, yeah, buddy, I know exactly. Don't worry about <laughs> it. Your face doesn't lie. Yes. Your tongue told me everything I need to know. And, uh, I mean, you're not talking like that, of course, but uh, <laughs> your, the face the face, and, and uh, the, the characteristics in that face in the skin is giving you already a lot of information. Information.
1: Yes, a lot. And people I mean, yes, people would never have to even speak. And I could guess. Yeah. I mean, I could make pulse. a really informed guess. Yes. <laughs> about yes. what I would think was going on for them with the pulse, with the face diagnosis, or you know, imagery and yes. then the tongue, looking at the tongue. Yeah. And all of those together can and I also sometimes do palpation of like the abdomen, especially if they're having
2: digestive abdominal issues,
1: yeah. yeah, digestive things. Hmm. So it just really depends on the person, but those diagnostic tools, I love the tool of talking. And when people come back, usually it's closer together initially. So uh-huh. they'll come to an initial con- consultation and then maybe three, two or three weeks later, they come back and we just see, is anything shifting? Yeah. And also, I, I ta- I teach people about what am I seeing? Mm-hmm. So we look at the tongue together, which mm-hmm. is one of my favorite. Yeah. Yeah. Um, follow up visits. Yeah. So that they can walk home and they can, they have this image of their tongue. Mm. And it's another party trick. You know, you can show your whole family. And then once you're talking to people, you're like looking at their tongue or something. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they tell, it can tell you all kinds of things about a person without it being you know invasive there's Mm. nothing invasive about it except for sticking your tongue out Mm. but there's a big thing now everybody's talking about tongue scraping okay and ayurveda does that on a regular they recommend scraping the tongue and what that does is it helps to gently stimulate the organs of the body to work better so it's doing that first thing in the morning you get rid of that coating is good is
0: good to get rid of that because often
1: that's bad breath or dry mouth or whatever. And then it also gently stimulates.
0: You're massaging these uh, these organs. Yeah. wow, Very interesting. So it's not good to have a hangover in the morning because you probably don't feel like it. Right. (laughs) We're going to take uh, one final break and I can't believe it. We're already in the last half hour here. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Let's talk about some other things that you use to help Find out more about the person in front of you.
1: So on the face I also look at lips because the lips show a lot of the digestion. Digestion right. and what's going on internally. So I look at that, you know, are there lines around the lips? Are the lips really dry themselves? So that's information. So
0: is the upper lip the small intestine and the lower lip the colon? Yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah, but you also have a lot of other little things in there. Actually, in Vasant Lad's book here, Ayurveda, yes. they have great um, diagrams, pictures okay. of cool. all that you would see. I also look at nails, okay, fingernails, yeah, sometimes toenails, but mostly fingernails. Uh-huh. And um, that tells, I mean, sometimes they're really long or really short. A lot of women have fake nails. So you can't really use that as a diagnostic tool. No, but I would say. But, you can all, but usually they'll tell you, oh, yeah, my nails break all the time if I don't have these
0: nails on. Like, but that's a thyroid disorder possibly, right? Yes. Uh-huh.
1: And um, a lot of nails have vertical lines in them, and that is nutrition. It's just you're not getting the nutrient. Okay. Kind, of, kind of like those scallops okay. on the tongue, yeah. yeah teeth yeah. marks. Um, spots in the th- in the nails beds mm-hmm. usually have to do with, um, depletion, anemia, yeah. mm-hmm. anemia is oftentimes there's zinc or calcium deficiencies if yeah. they're white spots. Okay. Just depends on people, but th- that's mm-hmm. what Ayurveda says. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I also will look at, um, the eyes, not necessarily like iridology does, okay. but, um, what's the color of the eye the iris in the middle yeah what is the color of the sclera around the eye mm-hmm. and for a lot of people it's not brilliant white mm-hmm. or gray or red it's all different things yes. so i look at that uh-huh. as well i look at hair and the thickness or the thinness of hair if mm-hmm. it's been colored all of those things tell me a lot about a person wow. and what they tend towards in their body And I went out to dinner probably five years ago or something when I met these two people at dinner. One of them I knew for a long time and the other one I just met, it was his sweetie. And um, she was curious about Ayurveda, wondered what I could tell her about her. Mm. (laughs) And it was like a party trick. And I did all these things that I'm telling you about. I didn't really go into detail about the tongue or the pulse, but I just looked at her. Yeah. And I said, this is probably your tendency is to be really dry. And maybe you don't go to the bathroom all the time. And she looked at me like I had grown another head. Like, how did you <laughs> know that from just looking at me? <laughs> yeah. And so there are lots of these little things that can speak volumes of... Uh-huh. What what life you've lived hmm. with children? It's a little bit di- more difficult because they don't For have sure. as much stuff showing uh. on the skin, but and their tongues usually are like these perfect little landscapes and. Yes. Yes. All of that changes, unfortunately, as we get older.
0: Circles under the eyes—does that have to do with kidney? Yes. So if it is swelling, if it's uh, like a like a blob, then it is uh, holding on to fluid, I would say. Yes. And when it is uh, darker skin, a darker skin, yeah, what that has to do more with uh, dry kidneys or so? Or yes, what? just the kidney is
1: not working properly. I see. So it's probably not um, evacuating what it's
0: being given—the toxins of the. Of the urine, because people will say, "Well, I'm using. I go into the bathroom. I yeah. drink a lot of water. I, I, I seem to be doing okay." So there is the is there then a more a metaphysical understanding about the kidney, what the kidney represents? Let me say it that way: in not just elimination, but maybe there is another uh, meaning to what the kidneys stand for. Well, just because we go to the bathroom doesn't yes. mean your
1: kidneys are working well.
0: Okay. Um,
1: and a lot of us we drink really cold water. You know, you go to the restaurant and you get a glass filled with ice and water, and you yeah. drink that whole thing down. Yes. While you're eating, and yes. Stupid. in yeah. in doing that, you put your agony out that okay. digestive fire. All right. And so doesn't really matter what you put in the body. You're still going to digest. You're still going to pee or poop uh, things out. But the body is working way harder because you just put your digestive fire out. And so when it's pushing, telling your body to take different things or you know, putting stuff into the large intestine or into the kidneys, it's working really hard. And Mm -hmm. so long time, maybe not once or twice you do this, but your whole adult life, your kidneys, you'll see this dark thing under the eyes. You're still peeing every day. Sure, what the heck's wrong? Sure, yeah. It's just more, it's showing me and other people who see that, that your, your kidneys are working really hard. Yeah. They're not as efficient as they could be because of some number of
0: things that you do on a regular basis. Or maybe uh, the kidneys, when the kidneys are not functioning right, uh it could be related to diabetes, and that may yes. be un, un, undiagnosed because exactly. the, the blood testing today is giving people way too much leeway to get themselves in trouble before somebody sounds the alarm, Yeah. so to say. Um So that could be indeed when the kidneys are not functioning right or the urine is not correct, it could also be that uh, the consumption of carbohydrates are too high in the diet.
1: Yes. Exactly. Yes. And exactly. so you're still
0: urinating and drinking, et cetera, but it's still, as far as solid food is concerned, including sugary drinks or too much alcohol, it could have an effect on the sugar level in the body and that can, it all has to come out. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Good point.
1: And I think too, the cleansing aspect of taking a break from what you do every day and and doing a detox and this is like a kitsch word in our society right now like oh i'm gonna cleanse i'm detoxing i'm fasting and in ayurveda we talk about those pieces as well yeah um but fasting you have to do it dosha appropriate so a vata person if a vata person doesn't eat they float away from the planet Uh they just are so airy especially in their minds Uh um so fasting for them is maybe two days but for a Pitta person who has a little more grounding, they can fast, which is fasting is no eating, just drinking. Okay. Um, you can fast for maybe three days as okay. a Pitta person. A Kapha person, however, could fast probably for seven days with no problem because mm. they have so much. They usually have more mass to them. It's the water and earth elements. But I'm what sure. I recommend for people is is cleansing, which is when you eat a specific diet. And your body can know what it's going to digest and then eliminate other things that are causing issue in your body. So this is when you could work with the kidneys to help stuff flush from the system to get the kidneys back online. Sometimes you've got to get rid of what is actually blocking in there. And it could be diet. It could be lifestyle. It could be too much exercise or too little. It could be a myriad of things. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I do with within the cleansing that I love is that it's like a reset for the body. I see. And it's like banging out the filters of the car. <laughs> you know, the liver gets banged out and the kidneys can get banged out yes. gently.
0: <laughs> yes. Yes. Wow. Um another one you write down and diagnosing is uh, emotions. And the physical body, so you can look at the body as a whole. Do you do that while they're on the on the practice, on the uh, massage table? Um Is there things that you recognize in that? Is that what you talk about, the physical body, or are you looking at uh, the you feet? You know, or I'm what?
1: usually, I'm looking at, like, how long are their fingers? Okay.
0: Or, you know, how big is the palm of their hand? Yeah. How
1: thick are their bones? Okay. Um You know, how do they have a lot of wrinkles or do they have no wrinkles at all? Mm. Do they wear glasses or do they have contacts or just regular eyes? Yeah,
0: (laughs) Um, Yeah. regular eyes. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Um, Unleaded. (laughs) Unleaded eyes, yeah. Um, So I just, I look at the whole of the person. I actually have a a whole sheet of paper that talks about each of the pieces, like what's the shape of their face? Yes. (laughs) Or, I mean... All kinds of things. There's so many pieces of somebody. But I also, when I'm talking to them, you know, I when I when I read through what the vata pitta and kapha emotional traits are, if somebody is saying they're rageful, they're so angry at so and so because they did this, or yeah. or they're they can't stay focused. Yeah, like what were we talking about?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That will tell me about that. Is a diagnostic tool that tells me. Oh, this person's probably running pretty dry. I see. Because they can't stay focused here. Mm. Or they want to tell me 8 million stories that don't really have to do with what we're, what I just asked them. Right. You know, then that tells me something about that person on an emotional level. Right. Because I've seen so many people, I think too, mm-hmm. but it's also written out. It's like, Mm -hmm. these are the tendencies of Vata people. These are the tendencies of Pitta people. And these are the tendencies of Kapha. And -hmm. they all overlap some, Mm -hmm. and we can be all of them, like I said earlier. Mm -hmm. But really, those tendencies are universal. They're Mm -hmm. like, not to compartmentalize, because everybody is different, and and Ayurveda looks at them as a difference, but Pitta people... You'll watch them walking across the street, and their usually head is out in front of them leading the <laughs> way, and the rest of their body is following, and they're in a hurry. This is my father, 100%. Yes. Wow. You know, like, you yeah. follow me. Yes. And um Kafa people are the ones strolling along. They're not really in a hurry. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. to get them in a hurry, they feel like they're always late. <laughs> and vata folks... They are usually flitting. You know, they're, they're, they might go fast, they might go slow, or they just turn in circles because they don't really, I mean, not that they don't know where they're going, but they can get distracted really easily. Mm,
2: mm-hmm, mm.
1: So all of those are tendencies. And I say that, and po- most everybody knows kind of what they are t- They have a tendency towards. Yeah.
0: And then when you work with people, you are helping them with uh, dietary adjustments yeah that that bring the dryness bring more in balance, or when that when there's too much tightness loosen them up a little bit and yes okay good point good morning caller thanks for joining the show today what's your name how can we help you please good morning gentlemen. this is steve hey steve good morning to you
2: uh, i had a question uh how would you treat um, an infection
0: how would she treat an infection oh okay it would depend on
1: where the infection was, um, but oftentimes, if it's if it's external, there would be we would do something topically for that infection, but we'd also work internally um, on your immune system. So that's a generalized statement because everybody is so different. So if the immune what system
0: is strong, then it can push the toxin out. If it is a toxin, for yeah. example, okay. If it is
1: an infection as that infection
0: rides in the body. Um, Are it- you talking indeed about a spot on the skin, for example, Steve?
2: Uh, yeah, it, it was a topical, it started topical, and now it's internal.
0: Oh, look at so that. I was
2: wondering if you were going to be using herbs or another modality that I might have missed. <laughs> um, I probably
1: would use some herbs, but I also, you know, it's hard for me to speak to something I haven't seen, but I would say that there's, there's a ton of things. I'm sure you've tried a lot of things as well, but um, usually cleaning up the diet, getting the body to process better will get rid of an infection.
2: Interesting. So now I'd like to come and see you, you could probably write a whole book on me. Oh, um, great.
1: <laughs> I, I'm yeah. allergic
2: to everything, so I, I rarely eat anything. Oh, oh no. no. I'm, I'm not toxic, but uh, I'm uh, allergic topically. I just found out, and, and internally for the last couple of years. Um, I mean, we're talking uh, tea tree oil, which I know is for sensitive people. Uh, I'm hypersensitive, and it really? seems to be getting more hypersensitive. Huh. Um, yeah, so for the last couple of years, I'm, I'm now just topically and internally for the last couple of years uh, allergic to everything, huh. um, which is interesting because I never was. So, um, well, it is interesting yeah.
0: how you indeed have been so disciplined, uh, Steve, over the last year, several years, uh, uh, cleaning up already so much in order to control some of the other ailments that you have. And, um, it's interesting that your body is maybe now it's working on a different layer. Maybe oh, you had definitely. to deal, you had to deal with the original problem first. You've been peeling that onion, getting that under control. And now the body says we're ready to work on the next uh, layer. So maybe yeah, it's coming it's, out to infections.
2: Um, yeah, I, it was an allergic reaction to uh, Vic. I had a cold put on the bottom of my feet, and my feet broke out uh-huh. uh, with uh, water blisters. And uh, now it's gone internal. Huh. But um, we'll see what happens in the next week. Uh, they put me on some antibiotics, but the antibiotics, they took a culture so they know which ones to use. Yes. Before they were just popping them like uh, candy with me, and that was ridiculous. Yes. But that's you know I'm taking probiotics every time I pop an anti about fifteen to thirty minutes after. So
0: yeah, I would but maybe I do it. Guy. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty weird what I go through. But you know, it's not Can always be worse. Apparently, somebody's <laughs> trying to tell me something else.
0: <laughs> yes, I see. Uh,
2: well,
1: you know, too, Steve. Um, for my practice, it's never just the body. <laughs> There's a mental component to this, and a got
2: the four lower bodies.
1: What was that? The
0: four lower four bodies. Lower bodies. Yeah. Body, mind, spirit, and, right. and physical body. Yeah, right.
1: and so sometimes what physically presents to us is really an emotional thing that is, not saying this is you, but there, I've never seen anything go away with just working on the body. Right.
2: So.
1: Absolutely.
0: Yeah. It is just That's another way of, uh, yeah, it would just be another way that Elaine uh, would uh, work with you um if 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 that's what you decide to try that that you that she as she's working with you always keep in mind that it's not just the symptom that presents itself but it is the underlying factors that may push the symptom out
2: correct yeah i like what i've heard it's a great show and i'll be getting in touch with you later tonight thank you both so much
0: thank you so much for the thank call you. steve have a good weekend Bye bye. Bye so there is uh, these different forms of diagnosis It's very very interesting and then you already mentioned um, I, I, the different modalities that you can use to help somebody as part of, part of your treatment. But after you help in the diagnosing, does that change how you're going to treat somebody? Once you understand, let's say somebody says, "I want the uh, uh, the, the oil drip," right, and you say, eh, "That's not really for you." Uh, is that possible? Is it possible that they say we want uh, the garbanzo bean donut uh, on the back with the oil in it? That sounds cool. Yeah. And you say, eh, no, that's not really what your body is asking for. Uh, you got to use the milk.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, most people don't know exactly what I'm doing. <laughs> so they leave it up to me to yeah. decide um, what would benefit them the most. Yeah. Um, but really, it does change. So if somebody is really fiery initially when they come in and they just have extra heat all through their system, in their gut, on their skin. Um, I will, after time, depending on that person and what changes and this and that, we won't be working so much at quieting that fire. We're going to work more with keeping things from getting too dry or, you know, it, it will depend on that person. So it's hard to speak a hundred percent, but it's really, it continues to grow and flourish and shift just like Ayurveda has for 5,000 years. Yes. So it's like meeting you today, but in a year, like you said, you're not that a same person. person. Yes. So it's seeing you, who are you then? Uh-huh. And then what are some things we can shift? Mm-hmm. So some people will say, oh, the only thing I've ever done is I, put, I love putting oil on my skin instead of lotion yes. anymore. Yes." If that's the only thing you can do. That's gonna be great because it's gonna change something in your system, mm. and so it's mm. listening too. I think so. When I recommend things to people, I say if this, if anything I'm saying right now sounds like something you don't want to do or you don't think you will do, then just tell me because mm. there's thousands of years of information here. I can fully bring something else up.
0: I see. So we're living in great times yeah. right now, because, as far as Ayurveda is concerned. Yeah. Because you can, you can, uh, there is so much, there's a chest full of information out there. Wow. Mm.
1: So we didn't talk about the color therapy, but I do that a little bit as well. And Mm -hmm. so I'm talking about this heated person. And if they come into my office and they're already running really hot and they're wearing red, I might say, you know, maybe you could try some colors that are more watery like blues or greens mm. and it's subtle or like their entire bedroom is red and they're already running really hot. I see. So maybe it's changing a little bit, which is maybe a lot. Huh. <laughs> but like I had, a, I had a guy once who was really angry about a lot of different things and yeah. he loved red. He loved the color red. Red sports car. Red, everything, everything. red. He yeah. loved it. And yeah. we started just impl- implementing a couple other colors in there so not everything was red. Mm. And he changed and it you know of course it was a synergy of all the things we were
0: doing sure but the colors really helped the colors made a difference because colors are frequencies yes and frequencies is energy and energy is what is all around us and in us and so when we change the energy it's going to have an effect on who we are Hmm. very interesting yeah i love it i love it because
1: it's never boring (laughs) no there's all because
0: there's that whole suitcase Yeah, so people in Brazil who wear all these flamboyant colors, they must be pretty balanced. Who knows? (laughs) I have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) Something to check out. Yes. Wow, yeah. Color therapy is is one of the things you use. And then the other one is uh, gem therapy. Yeah. That's also very interesting.
1: You know, in India, they talk about where to wear Mm -hmm. gems or semi-precious stones. And different gems will offer different energetics into your body. So some people wear it around their necks and they say it's really good to actually touch the skin for a gem or a stone because then you'll get the frequency of that stone instead of the silver or the gold or other metal that's on there. Mm. And they are, again, subtle. A lot of these are subtle therapies, but in correlation with each other and helping somebody get better, they can, they can make radical shifts.
0: Are you able to work with people and, and tell them what would be a good gem for them, yes. uh, for their personality or for who they are? Because some people say, my birthstone right. is this and this and this. Is that usually right on the money or is that uh, really doesn't work that way?
1: No, I mean, sometimes it works that way, but I've found, you know, a lot of people who can't really speak their truth, I say, get some lapis.
0: A lapis, yeah. And lapis, wear lapis
1: on your, th- on your throat uh-huh. or blue, just a blue color on your throat helps uh-huh. verbalization. Mm-hmm. Even if you can't be like, yes, this is, I'm noticing I'm speaking more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, usually it's just, it's a subtle thing. But folks that I recommend that to within six months are like, holy cow, I am speaking
0: my truth. Yeah, now. thyroid uh, issues, for example. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. My goodness, Elaine, I cannot believe that uh, four hours ago, you and I sat down for breakfast.
1: I can't it's either. Amazing. It's
0: gone so quickly. <laughs> wow. Thanks for coming in.
1: Thank you for I, having you, me.
0: Uh, you bet. We're going to do it again because okay. there's more that we can we can tap into into details and, and tell more stories. Good. Right. I hope so. All right, I'm, folks. I'm... Get a hold of Elaine Dahl. Go to blissfulboseman.com. Have a great weekend. Bye-bye.